Welcome to Military Network Radio, where we'll bring dynamic interviews and fresh information about topics affecting your quality of life at each stage of your military service. Join us each week for information of value that improves your outlook, actions, and encourages each member of the family. Serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Everyone serves, and together we make a difference. And now, here's your host, Linda Crater. Military Network Radio, where we'll bring dynamic interviews and fresh information about topics affecting your quality of life at each stage of your military service. Join us each week for information of value that improves your outlook, actions, and encourages each member of the family. Serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Everyone serves, and together we make a difference. And now, here's your host, Linda Crater. Good morning and welcome to Military Network Radio. We are very glad that you've joined us today as we have an especially important topic to discuss today. First of all, I'm joined by co-host Tassandra Kynes. Good morning, Tassandra. Good morning, Linda. I am very pleased to be talking about this discussion. And just to start us off, uh, we will be talking today about PTSD, TBI, and Veteran Treatment Courts. And it is PTSD Awareness Month, which comes at a very good time to have this discussion because our guest is especially well-versed in the fact that when someone comes back from war, it is not only the soldier, airman, marine, uh, sailor that is affected, it is also the family members. And we're going to be talking today about the impact of some of these behavioral issues that come back with PTSD or with TBI and what happens to the family when the legal system gets embroiled. So we're going to cover a lot of area today. And, and Tassambra, I know that you are very well aware of behavioral issues and, and you yes. are familiar with the VTC, the Veterans Treatment Courts. And you know, talk a little bit about what you have seen where it impacts the judicial system in areas where you use veteran treatment courts versus the regular legal system that sometimes doesn't know what to do with veterans. You know, it's, it's such an, uh, it's such a personal topic for me because you're, you're right. I do per- I personally know, you know, I've experienced it. You know, my husband, um, when he came back, it was just, wow, like he was a monster, <laughs> you know, and um, he really suffered from both, you know, PTS and TBI. Um, but the treatments, well, I just have to say it's much easier to go and speak with someone who understands it, you know, um, on the civilian side, it is. It's it's trickly and it's troubling, especially for my husband to actually get him to to speak and seek help. You know, he wouldn't speak to anyone unless you know they they wore the suit themselves. Mm-hmm. So that one, it's it's just really important because you know they they are suffering and they do need help. You know, and it's important that we get them to the right sources. Brilliant, um, and I think that. For those listening who are not familiar with Veterans Treatment Court, 
Veteran Treatment Courts, we are going to go into greater detail today about what is the difference and why it works so well and has much lower rates of recidivism and is successful in keeping the families together, obtaining the medical treatment necessary, and also keeping veterans out of a vicious cycle of Mm -hmm. legal problems that can break a family and break the veteran themselves. And we're also going to spend some time today educating families about these options and where they can find help because legal battles on top of family traumas, controversies, challenges with PTSD, uh, transition, adjustment, call it what you will, the very real traumatic brain injury um, symptoms, it's very important that we do this. So I think I'm going to introduce our one guest today. Uh, Dominic Yezo is with us. He's an attorney in New York. He's a Vietnam veteran who was wounded in Vietnam in 69 from a hand grenade. And we teased before the show when he and I spoke. I said, well, you were in civil affairs and psychological operations. Uh-oh, no, no analyzing us today. But <laughs> at any rate, he's an attorney. He is also the national chairperson of Veterans Incarcerated, which is a program under Vietnam Vets of America. And he'll talk more about that today. But he's also very well versed in veteran treatment courts and the value they bring to families. So, Dominic, welcome to our show. Good morning to both of you, and thank you for having me. It's our pleasure. Believe me, I'd like to, in this first segment, lay the groundwork for some of the symptoms and behaviors of PTSD and TBI that can cause vets to get into legal difficulty. First, for those who may not be as well-versed or may not recognize what they're seeing is a precursor to bigger problems. So... Let's first talk about how PTSD and some of their symptoms can affect behavior badly in some cases and share some of those that tend to fall afoul of the law. Well, thank you, Linda. And for some sure. thank you. I, I understand uh, fully um, uh, what, what you suffered as the family member who was supporting the veteran in return from war. Uh, in order to know what to do with the veteran, in the legal system, or with what to do with a veteran who, who returns home uh, troubled by the war, uh, we need to understand what the matter is. And this is a special sort of matter. It's human enough, but it's special because it, 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 is, it is a matter that, that concerns the soldier who has been troubled by combat, by victory. Dominic, let me stop you for a minute. Can you move closer to your speakers, please? You're very hard to hear. Yes. Uh, do you hear me better now? Yes. Yes. Thank you. So, so in, in order in order to understand what troubled the soldier, we have to understand what happened to the soldier. Mm-hmm. And PTSD and TBI are are both conditions that result from war, uh, specifically from combat, but not necessarily. Um, some of the, some of the horror of war are the, are the heinous visions that we have of the destructions of people and property, which is what we do as soldiers. That's what our mandate is. And uh, first, for PTSD, which which simply means post-traumatic stress syndrome, and and by way, which uh, 25 years ago, 
was was something to be um, ashamed of. But thank God for the Vietnam veterans. We put that right. as a household word. So PTSD right. is no longer an emotional issue that belongs to us. It belongs to the entire generation because we all survived that war. And PTSD is, is a result of, 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 the, of the, the kinds of, of operations that we, we accomplished, the kinds of things that we did. The things that we were supposed to do, we did well, and still bad things happened to us. You know, you know, I'm, I'm going to step in here and say that it's because of the Vietnam veterans that we are getting such good attention to PTSD care these days. And so thank you for your service and for the contribution of the Vietnam vets, because if it weren't for those returning who vowed that no one would feel the way that they ever felt again, we wouldn't be as far along as we are. My, my issue is never will one generation of veterans abandon another. Right. That's the Vietnam veteran cry. Yes. I, I stand by that. And we have work to do. And work is, is ongoing because war is, is ongoing. Uh, right. Not going away. So uh, to understand the soldier, you need to, you must understand PTSD and traumatic brain injury. And, and uh, I don't want people to think that those conditions are are impossible to know because we're not psychologists or we're not medical doctors. They're simple to see. Mm -hmm. One is an emotional issue, the other is a physical issue. Traumatic right. brain occurs from um, the shock or, or, the, or, the, or the traumatic injury to many parts of the body, especially to the, to the, to the head. Um, and being near repeated explosions or or being in, in a Humvee that might take a round, and even if you survive that shrapnel in your leg, you, you, you may sustain significant traumatic brain injuries no one paid attention to. In, in prior wars in years past, we, we looked at that as, as shell shock, as something that might go away as a nervous condition that would, that would abate itself. Uh, that's not the case. It's only now because of the National Football League and, right. uh, and television are getting their bells rung, right? That, that doctors and medical attentions uh, have been uh, uh, spending money and spending time on recognizing what it means to have a traumatic brain injury. You know, it's, it's very true, and we're coming up on a short break, but I, I did want to mention that there are an awful lot of undiagnosed TBIs within the VA system because their technology, the government is usually years behind what the cutting edge uh, technologies can offer because they have to enforce the evidence-based aspect of things. But we're now seeing a lot more attention to use of a very specialized SPECT scan that is showing organic brain injury through Seroscan. And even if vets are paying for the tests themselves, they are then able to show the organic damage to the brain that could not be seen with the more rudimentary tools used by VA. So 
those headaches, that dizziness and balance, the rage impulses, the um, behavioral swings, that kind of thing, along with PTSD and hypervigilance and lack of sleep or anger management or substance abuse, any of those things, we are learning more and we are learning more about complementary and alternative therapies, which is really helping to be able to work toward management of some of these issues. You can't cure either one, but you can manage and learn to cope with them a little bit better. So we're coming up on this break, and we'll be back to talk with Dominic Yezzo about veteran treatment courts and how we can really serve our veterans and their families better. Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages. Secret Cuisines and Sacred Rituals is a quest, a place, and a feast. Join host Vilasi Venkatachalam every week to explore myths, mystique, old medicine, and brilliant modern solutions through a dazzling kaleidoscope of cuisines, cultures, and cures. This is the place where tribes gather, strangers and familiars, to be memory keepers and makers of our evolving, enduring, evergreen, spoken legacy of wisdom and ingenuity. In Velocity's words, when we do old things in new ways and new things in old ways, we paint with an inspired palette, weave our own healing traditions, and become our own guru. Velocity is a troubadour of secret cuisines and sacred rituals. She collects stories of wisdom, ingenuity, and grit. She believes wellness and transformation happen when you stand at the threshold of delight and discovery. She displays her hidden penchant for drama when she leads the safari at the supper club. Her favorite pastime is to extol the marvels of cuisines, cultures, and cures to her audience in workplaces, seminars, and salons. Her mantra is, be your own guru. She is a biochemist, botanist, and alchemist who likes to churn delightful, useful things from a brew of art and science, ancient and evolving, old medicine, and new cures. Join Velocity every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. hear about the Ohio woman who received three speeding tickets in one hour? Three different officers had no idea that within an hour, they had all pulled over the same woman driving random tandem down the road. She was first pulled over for speeding at 11.40 p.m. About 10 minutes later, another officer stopped her for speeding wiki-wiki again on the same road. Less than an hour later, she was pulled over for the third time. In each case, she was driving a bit ramstam or reckless at more than 50 miles per hour in a 35-mile-per-hour zone. Oddly enough, she hadn't had a speeding ticket for six years. She explained each time that she just wasn't paying attention. I guess the third time wasn't a charm. What's another word for not paying attention? Travelopsing. It's marching Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Military Network Radio, serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. 
Welcome back to Military Network Radio. We're continuing our discussion with Attorney Dominic Yezzo. And in our first segment, we pretty much set the stage in terms of PTSD and TBI and the effects on the family as well as the returning soldier. And so, Dominic, I would love to move now into some of the specifics from those two conditions that affect behavior and then cause problem with the law, whether it is something like substance abuse and you end up with DUIs uh, or intimate partner violence, which is quite high and in the military versus the civilian side. And let's talk about those specific things in terms of the behavior, the outcomes, and, and where the vet may end up afoul of the law. And then we'll move into the veteran treatment courts and what makes them different. Linda, war is morally dubious, and it's a horrible activity. Amen. And so the persons uh, who are attached to the experience of war return home uh, with, a, with collateral damage. And, and so it, I, need, I, need to, um, I need to give you a picture of what the inside of a soldier may look like so you can understand the insult to the brain of the soldier has. And why the judgment made why there's an inability to reason social Dominic, please move closer. Can't hear you again. Why we have these psychosocial problems with returning veterans. Uh, it's important to understand that these are soldiers, they're not criminals. And many, many, many times a, a uh, young man or a young woman who returns from the war uh, returns to uh, joblessness, homelessness, a place where they are not respected as they may have been in the military. Mm-hmm. You could have a young man, we'll just use this as an example, uh, who was a sergeant in the Marines, two Purple Hearts, deployed three times, wounded twice, Bronze Star, uh, mission-oriented Returning home uh, from the Marine Corps after six years, and he signed up for eight, to a neighborhood where he was recruited from, or mm-hmm. she recruited from. And I'm using this young man as an example because most of them end up in, in the veterans' treatment courts. Um, and he's got, he's got no respect. He's got no dignity. And perhaps uh, the, the woman that he loves is, is living with his best friend and, and perhaps the child that they had is living with the best friend's mother. And this kid has a head full of broken glass. Returning home, no dignity, no respect. Now, it's likely to me that there's going to be some incidents of drinking, some uh, perhaps domestic violence, which is horrible. Perhaps some other charge um, uh, for resisting arrest or something of that sort. Now, as as a as a administrative law judge and as a as an attorney, um, and as a veteran mostly, as a wounded veteran, I understand this. I was lucky enough to come home to the structure of a family, to the structure of of a mother who said to me the third day after my return from Vietnam, wounded, and and ready to face the confusion of my world, my mother said to me, "Wash your face." comb your hair, and go to work. Wow. Many didn't, wow. Have, that, didn't have that structure, didn't have that, that love, that, that caretaking, that, 
that that necessary need that most of the women gave us, mothers and girlfriends and and and, and the caretakers, the family who suffered for us, gave us an opportunity in that structure to heal and they knew the healing was a process everyone else wants the healing to be immediate they want you to talk this through for one night and then get yourself right 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 or you've been back for three years what's your problem exactly so I, i have so much to say and so little time to do it so this imagine this person this young man uh getting arrested and here's what my work is right now if this kid who is a sergeant with two purple hearts, who, who served us, who was loyal to this country, who gave everything he had brilliantly, risked his life for us. Mm-hmm. This kid gets banged up with the law and ends up arrested for whatever reason. It could be drinking, it could be drugs, it could be domestic violence, it could be resisting arrest, it could be a hundred things. I want this young man to be identified at the point of arrest. And if we can do that, if the crime is not too violent, and if it's a first offense, I want that young man diverted, or the young woman diverted to a veteran's treatment court. It's a special court for veterans. Now, come into my court, come into that court, and you're going to be treated like a soldier first. Mm-hmm. Treated. A soldier who has made a mistake and where the, 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 the tension is removed, the legal tension, we're going to talk to you and ask you, what in the world are you doing, Marine? What are you up to? What's wrong? And in a successful court has Veterans Administration personnel in it, a drug counselor, it has, it has, it has a, um, a homeless counselor, it, has, it might have a an alcohol uh, uh, rehab program person. Mm-hmm. We have resources in the court. And we divert that young person to those resources to give that person a chance, understanding that this is a veteran, that this is a soldier who has come home with a head full of broken glass to an emptiness and all the collateral damage in him from these, these morally horrible circumstances which are no longer good military kills they're no longer good military thoughts well you know i i want to step in here and just to summarize what you said so that people are very clear that veteran treatment court doesn't say oh you goofed we're going to give you a pass because you experienced war no it is taking all of the resources and putting them together it is mandated va care And the court says, if you follow this plan of action to correct the deficiencies in your life that have caused you to be this way, then we will watch over you and give you special diversion into a VTC because it is so much more effective than treating them as a straight criminal because then you're more likely to end up back in the system again and again and again. And VTCs have proven, I don't know, what is your recidivism rate in New York? Um, well, it's uh, 80% is a success rate. Right. Uh, and we, we, want, we want soldiers who have never been to prison before. And I need Perfect. To because some, some kids that are in the military, they entered the military as tough guys, bad guys. Right. 
persons who had committed crimes before. Many of, of, the, of the soldiers who returned uh, have never been in the criminal justice system or any uh, justice system. Right. And to identify those, we want to be sure that if they're suffering from PTSD and, and TBI, that, that we get them the proper treatment. If we send that kid to Rikers Island and that kid does 18 months out of a six-year sentence, you can guarantee that's a criminal now. That, that's that's going to be a hardened criminal that comes back on our streets. If we can save this, and we save a veteran one at a time, we can save this young man or this young woman. And if we talk about women's issues, they're, they're even more complicated than issues with the men. But we can save the kid who, who saved us. We have done our work. So we, we give them 18 months to return to the court. Once a week first, with drug testing, alcohol testing, if he comes in and he's got substance in, it, in his system, he, he, the court officer arrests him, he takes him to Rikers right then. He breaks, he breaks it, he's done. If he continues, he comes back the next week, we get the reports from the counselors. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but the person who knows how to work it is the veteran because the veteran understands military justice, understands the chain of command, understands you've got to get the job done. That's the great thing about our veterans. They know it. A soldier knows how to do this. So we give them that opportunity to make themselves ready, to make themselves right, to, to, to come into this to society once again with this this trauma, but with with the trauma turning to character, turning to an existence, using what you learned in the military uh, to your benefit. But it's also almost muscle memory. You're giving them back the structure that they were used to, where everything was outlined and what to do. The civilian world can seem very loosey-goosey. Uh, the integrity, the structure, the uh, the way people communicate with one another in the civilian world can be very loose and and hard to understand for someone who's been in war where every depended on your survival. And so this is uh, every action as well. So it is really an important aspect. Let's hit right before we have another break coming up, but let's hit once again moral injury because moral injury has been around forever. But some examples of these are you had to shoot a child in order to save your unit. You uh, witnessed something that was just horrific that you can't even describe to a, a doctor. Uh, moral injury is something that is not as well known these days. Dominic, you have about 30 seconds. Can you talk about moral injury specifically? The, the horrors of war make the fascination for, for society, but, but it ends there. Everybody's interested in how we were shot or what we shot, mm-hmm. what weapon we were used. But the collateral damage of, of blowing up the side of a building and Rightfully so, because we took a sniper round from there that that popped the shoulder off one of my one of my colleagues, one of my soldier, mm-hmm. uh, and then we we shot an RPG into the side of that wall, and we did a good military kill. But we also remember that in that rubble was a baby, and that remains with us. The good military kill. There is also collateral damage in there. And we need to stop right there. We're going on a break. We're talking about 
Veteran Treatment Courts. We're Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages. Have you heard? The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting Magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors. All quilters, just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff. And find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com slash radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. you ever wonder how reindeer survive the severe cold? Well, they snuzzle around for some moss to eat. Moss contains a special chemical that helps keep their body fluids warm. And they're going to have to keep warm if they're going to pull Santa's sleigh every year. Santa's sleigh was originally called a winged doodle. Both male and female reindeer grow antlers, but male reindeer drop their antlers at the beginning of winter. I can't help but wonder why Santa's reindeer from Rudolph to Butson had made names. Since they had antlers, they would have had to be female. We women should have known only females would be able to drag a hefty man outfitted in a red velvet suit, originally called a hoopin' daddy, all around the world in one night and not get lost. I'm Carolyn Davidson and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Military Network Radio. Serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Welcome back. We're continuing our discussion with Dominic Yezzo about veteran treatment courts. And on the break, we were talking among ourselves. I wish you could hear the break sometimes. They're they're more active than than the show itself. Uh, But how many veteran treatment courts are there in the country at this point? I know that they're in counties generally, but how many are there nationwide right now? Well, I serve with the Vietnam Veterans of America as the Veterans Treatment Court Veterans Incarcerated Chairperson. It's a national job. Okay. Uh, There are perhaps something under 200 within the year and a half. There have been perhaps a hundred of them started. The word is out for veterans treatment courts. And communities that embrace the veterans treatment courts are communities that have most uh, veterans. And there are lots of, lots of states that gave a lot of people to the military. Mm-hmm. One, California, another. New York, another. Florida. Uh, Florida gave a lot, a lot of uh, its children uh, and husbands and wives to to the military, and, and most of those counties that have uh, a high concentration of veterans and have experienced veterans involved in crime or veterans in the justice system are willing to understand my rhetoric. And what I do is I go to each county, and the first thing I do is I try to talk to the district attorney. Now, you need a district attorney who has 
an idea that this is not a liberal undertaking. This is an undertaking that's national. It's very American. It's serving those who served us. And some district attorneys get it, some don't. Um, and so I work on those that don't. And what we do is try to get them to understand that if you just put a good judge, and the best judge would be a judge who is also a veteran, mm -hmm. to a courtroom designated only to receive veteran offenders. And the best thing about this, Mr. District Attorney, is it doesn't cost anything. All we need is a room and a judge who's already paid and you already have the room. So let's get this working. Let's divert every veteran whose crime is not too violent and who has a first offense to that court. Let's bring into the court veteran counselors. Let's bring in homeless persons. Let's bring in persons who are versed in how to treat alcoholism and, and substance abuses. Let's bring those people in so that the veteran walks in, will stand this kid up, will make him put two feet and one shoe before the bench, and will talk to this kid like a soldier. What are you doing? What's wrong? How can we help? We're all part of this. This is not going to happen with you. Mm -hmm. not, not here. And we'll give this kid an opportunity to come back to the court join the programs we have set aside for him or her and will give this soldier an opportunity to get that pain out and we get that pain out little by little. Most men don't find themselves till they're about 40 anyway. Women <laughs> have difficult issues to deal with and they're much more willing to speak when they're in the right form. Men don't, aren't ready to talk about this until they're, until they're much older. Um, but we have, to, we have to tap into that. The men will talk to other soldiers. They won't right. talk to a court officer. They won't talk to anyone else but another vet. You know, exactly. there's, a, there's an aspect of this that we haven't mentioned yet, which I think is very important. Many times, those who have successfully come through a VTC turn into veteran treatment court mentors. There is more than the medical, the VA, um, the substance abuse, the, the homelessness, all of those things to this. You are also ending up with a very strong, integrated network of veterans who are peers and, and who have been there before or who care passionately about knowing that there but for the grace of God go they. So they help. And this mentorship, how does someone volunteer or become part of this? And how can you help? I, I'm so glad to hear that it is not that it is part of your duties to go and try and talk with counties and set up new VTCs because we don't have enough and we need more. Oh, so, yeah. and you know, Tessumber was asking. How does someone volunteer or become involved? Because that's important. First off, you need to be a veteran. You have to get it. Uh, she is. And she gets it. <laughs> yes. And you have to Check. Yeah. Next. Both of those blocks. Yeah. Yep. yeah. And then understand that war makes us all killers. And right. no longer uh, those of us who have gone to war 
no longer have that intrinsic feeling that I'm a good person, not the person I thought I was. In the Army or the Marines or the Air Force or the Navy, you, you, you may have done well. Um, you may have a good kill. You may have a good destruction. Uh, and, and 18 years later, that is an issue. So this stuff can arise any time during your life if you don't purge yourself of it with others who understand. It can build character if you get it, if you allow yourself to, to join with others who have suffered, who have, who have fixed this head full of broken glass. Um, but the, the, the incidence of becoming a mentor means that you're in the court as a veteran who, who understands other veterans. And it doesn't give the veteran a pass. The mentors are harder on the veterans. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. The mentors are there to, to say, this is your chance. Right. This is your chance to come home, to do it right. It's not like you think it is, but it's something else. But it's your chance. There's you know, Dominic, anything but the fascination. you were just saying... Oh, I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. But when you mentioned, you said war makes us all killers. And I thought, wow, because my husband and I were just, we were just talking about that, like talking about how he kind of sits home and the things that he thinks about, the things that goes through his mind. And he talked about, you know, sometimes I think about killing, you know, and that's not like a good conversation to have. But I mean, at the same time, it, it kind of is that he's talking about it. And I think it's important to, to get out there and mentor, but like what, how do, how do you start that? Who do they who do they reach out to? And do you have to have gone through the VTC yourself in order to be, you know, a mentor? You know, I, I'm I'm interested in, in. It is helpful when they have that experience. You know, it is helpful. You know, to to sit down and and when someone has been where you've been, it's easier to talk about it. And then if they're at a, at a better place, you know, they can, like you said, they can be a lot harder, you know, on you. And they will, rightfully so, because they've, they've been there, done that type of deal. So I just think that the mentorship piece is, to me, it's, it's really, really important because it takes away the excuses. Ty, you're the hero. You know, that someone may have. You're, you're the oh, hero. Well, you're the I, I wouldn't say that, but... <laughs> Well, you're the one who suffers the, the, the trauma of the PTSD and the traumatic brain injury that your husband brought home with him. He didn't ask for anything. He did everything that was asked of him. They made him do and he did well. We listened. We did. We functioned. And we return home to you that way with that experience, with that, with that fascination that everybody has about war, but you're all interested in who we shot and where we shot and how we right. The truth is that there's a collateral damage. There's a moral injury, which we may not understand, not until much later. And that right. moral injury becomes the family's problem. It becomes your problem. It becomes uh, an issue of you trying to understand this guy serves so well. And here he is back in your fold, back in your arms back in your home and he's misunderstood it's it's egregious it's awful that the family suffer worse than anybody knows that they suffer more than than they get credit for and so the right. injury 
that, that the soldier carries back home becomes a family issue. Talk and, about the children, Dominic. Well, uh, the children of, of veterans, um, uh, uh, once again, the fascination of war for children is, is, is enormous. They're, they're interested in what kind of gun and uh, how many bullets you've had over your shoulder. And, but the, 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 uh, the, the children don't, they see um, a pain uh, resulting from the threatening events that happened to the soldier because they're in, they're in the house with this, with this soldier who's returned. And as well as everyone's intentions are, if you don't understand PTSD and traumatic brain injury, if you don't understand the collateral moral damage of a war, if you don't understand the veteran, then, then as much as you love, you will never, ever, ever be able to truly help that person. Well, I think when you're talking about children, too, they observe good behaviors. They also observe not so good behaviors. But what I have talked with many families about is that daddy came home different. Daddy is different. I don't feel comfortable having my friends come over because I'm not certain how he will act if I do something. So children have a deep absorption of the consequences of PTSD, moral injury, and traumatic brain injury. But they don't always have the maturity and understanding to... to um, integrate it into their thoughts. Do the veteran treatment courts offer children any counseling or therapy as well? No. Um, veterans Interesting. Treatment, okay. Judicial system is narrow. Mm-hmm. It does one thing, it does it well. And, and that is uh, to um, protect the rights of the government, protect the rights of the person standing um, before the court accused. Um, and so, um, no, that it can't it can't run there. But but the, the 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 persons who are in court, if it's a it's a good judge, you're going to have a court full of other persons. Mm-hmm. Uh, a judge who is full of themselves uh, won't have any other person in the court to offer their assistance. Won't have the Veterans Administration in the court. Won't have any other any other. Uh, uh, system or, or, or person of, of uh, willing to help a veteran there to lend a hand to the judge. Okay, we are going on our final break now. You're listening to Dominic Yezzo, and we're talking about veteran treatment courts. We will be back after these very short messages. We're Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages. Homeschooling? Have questions? Get your pen and paper ready. It's the sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Fridays at 5, 4 central on toginet.com. After a handsome blue-eyed Texan fell in love with Vivian at the Victoria Station in London, she found herself at DFW Airport with a tiny suitcase and a snazzy little duffel bag. Well, 25 years later, she is now happily married to that blue-eyed cowboy. They have four grown children ages 24 to 18 who became willing guinea pigs when she unwittingly stumbled upon the world of homeschooling. Wildflower Academy flourished for 15 years. 
listeners. They survived and thrived, and you can too. Vivian will be covering a wide range of issues that face homeschoolers. What do you do with kids in the summer? How to set up your one-room schoolhouse? How obedience is paramount? And what to do with those snakes? Plus, you'll be sharing ideas and insights that you gleaned from other homeschoolers. So join us for an engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler. Vivian McNinney, Friday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on toginet.com. foot? According to state troopers, here's what not to do when you get pulled over. Don't be a lachrymist and start crying right away. It doesn't help. But if you're under 20, crying won't be held against you. Don't ask for a break. And don't yell or start any argy-bargy. And one trooper said, if they're going to flirt with me to get out of a ticket, it would probably insult my intelligence. But unfortunately, I don't get hit on all that often. So flirting or being a gill flirt won't work. Did you know that 15% of all drivers get 76% of all traffic tickets? And the odds of winning if you challenge a traffic ticket in court are 1 in 3. So what should you do when you get pulled over for speeding? Be courteous to the officer and most of all, be honest. I'm Carolyn Davidson and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Military Network Radio. Serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Welcome back. We're continuing our discussion on veteran treatment courts. And the management of the family is often, it's so instrumental because as in many households, uh, the family is often who sets the ultimatum and says, you will stop drinking. You will not abuse me again. You will not hurt our children. Um, you have got to get treatment for what you're doing. And so often it is the family member that finds out the resources and sends them into, you know, either treatment or veteran treatment court or finds out alternatives because there's an enormous network of family members who have their ear to the ground, their eyes on Facebook groups, and they need help. So they get it from peers. So I would love to know what you recommend as how to better educate the family about the, um, the incidents, or not incidents, the, the numbers of veteran treatment courts, how to ask to get one started. And we will give out your website at the end of the show because you're the one starting new veteran treatment courts. But how do we better educate families about the existence of VTCs and how to even get one started or, or make a call to someone to get one started? Because they know PTSD and TBI far better than they ever wished to know. Well, it's a, it's a ground swell. Okay. First off, if we do not prepare the families adequately, the moral failing of the soldier and the military becomes a failing in the household. Mm-hmm. Consequences. And, and we need, the veterans treatment courts are, are, are saving the veteran, but they're not, not working directly with family, so to speak, but if you save the veteran, it's likely that the veteran will save the family. So um, uh, th- this this treatment of the veteran is significant. It's extremely important. We, we, we know um, that 
the damage to families from persons who returned from the war with the moral injury, with the collateral damage, is, is enormous. It breaks mm-hmm. up and it leaves, um, it leaves the families in disorder. Oh, they get that part. Yeah. How do they find the VTCs? How do they get one started if there isn't one in their area? Is there a radius that people can go to a VTC or do you have to be a member of that county, a resident of that county? It, it comes from a groundswell. It could come from the city council. It could, it could be uh, petitioned by, by, um, by families of veterans. It could be a petition by the Wounded Warriors Project. It could come from anywhere. It okay. could- so anyone can start a VTC. Go to the district attorney and say, hey, uh, okay. Veterans Treatment Court, because we have uh, 500 veterans in this area and 200 of them are in the criminal justice system. Okay. So anybody can do it. We need a Veterans Treatment Court in every county True. of the States of America. There are about 200 now, and um, a lot of those were started in the last year and a half. And my advocacy is to travel to every state, every county, to every union, to every place and, and, and insist that the district attorney put a veterans treatment court in place. Ty? I think it's important. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here listening and I'm thinking, do we have one by, by us here? You know, I'm thinking definitely in the military, close to the military installations, you know, in, in the community where I'm at, you know, it, it, there's a lot of, retired military individuals here, veterans here. And so it's, it's important to, to see that just as another resource. And I mean, you see on the news, you see, you know, just the heartbreaking stories and, you know, not, not just the suicide issues, you know, that veterans, you know, tend to deal with, you know, those numbers, but it's just a matter of finding help and finding the right resources and implementing that. And you're right as far as, you know, with the family, it's, it's so important to have, you know, that, that support and that structure for the military member, the military veteran, so that it can help the family. Um, you know, because with, without that, it's, it's tough. So I'm, I'm definitely just sitting here thinking, okay, how, how do we find out more information? You know, where do we go? Um, and you're, you're giving all that information. So, I want to give points on the family piece. I think that the family plays the largest role Mm -hmm. when someone returns. And that can be any sort you want to define. But if the family doesn't know to even ask about a veteran treatment court or doesn't know that they will be heard um, with intimate partner violence, uh, it's it's not just your normal domestic violence situation that there mm-hmm. are mitigating circumstances. You mentioned the suicide rates, and they they are high. You're you're still talking about the the issues that come back where they're not feeling like they fit in anymore. But the family itself is often the greatest asset for a veteran, and those who can make it to the next step usually turn out to be mentors and they go on to help others. And that service is often a purpose and a continuation. So could you speak about the mentorship and how that purpose helps those who volunteer as mentors probably more than even those that they're helping? I'm I'm really delighted that that we can end this way because the truth of it is uh, we speak about the the negative aspects of 
of, of all of the returning veterans. But remember, the, the military makes leaders as well. Military experience is mission-oriented. The military experience, you know your job. You know it well, otherwise you won't be put there to do it. Um, the training is, ex is exact. The equipment is, is precise. Uh, the chain of command works. So a, a, a military mind, a, a veteran, is, is, is that as well. This is a young person who has had an opportunity to be a leader. Uh, many are officers. I mean, we have captains and majors who suffer as well. And many, many are, 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 are credits to the nation, always. Um, and that should be said as well. It's not that the veterans are asking uh, for everybody to, to shed a tear. This is, this is about uh, something that we carry. It's about something we all have done. We've done this as a nation, and we continue to. And we're becoming more sophisticated about these returning men and women who are our power and what the damage is to the family. And the Veterans Treatment Court does a small part to recognize the veteran, not as a criminal, but as a soldier. Now, in that soldier is all of this greatness, is all of this United States military greatness. Mm -hmm. Best soldiers in the world ever are from the United States military. We're good. We're functioning. We do what was asked whenever it was asked. We go forward. Others go back. But let's go back. The soldier volunteered for duty. The family is the collateral damage if it doesn't work out when he, he or she returns. And I think it's important to, yes, recognize that one serves and that the only way to make this stronger is that everyone serves together, it's better. And right. we can make a difference because, yes, everyone's leaders, but don't forget those leaders at home, the ones that, that held down the fort, that kept everything going. You know, our military partners at home have handled everything from the finances to the medical, to the children, to the education, to the bills. And it, it all makes a difference. So this is a combination effort in VTC. It takes the family. It finds the treatment. It takes legal. It takes really enlightened leaders like yourself to make it all come together. Yes? Absolutely. And, and uh, the, the, the family has to recognize the soldier returning is not the same person who left. Right. So when I came home from Vietnam, uh, I remember I arrived on a Sunday morning, and it was August 17, 1969, Woodstock weekend. Mm -hmm. 500 young people in the field of state. Right. Five, 500,000 young people in the field of state. There were 500,000 soldiers in the field of Vietnam. Dichotomy is interesting. Oh, that's a nice word for it. Okay. And my mother had every cannoli in New York. In the <laughs> family to greet me. Everyone came to see me. But it, they didn't know who the new me was. Right. I was new. I was a new person. I had, had, had something to say. I, had, I was hurt. And every soldier is hurt. 
I had the grace of a family to return to. Right. So many don't. So, and the ones that come and are, and are embraced, the persons who embrace them suffer, but they have to know who that new person is. The returning hero is not the person who left. Well, you also have to remember that the family is not the same. Mm-hmm. The family is not the same at all. Uh, when someone returns. So you're looking at a real refresh button, a reset button on the family relationship. The experiences of both have been different. They're not the same. I would never judge that to be the same. But you are looking at changes. And I want to make sure that our listeners know where to find out more information about you. And to do that, you go to Yezo, Y-E-Z-Z-O, law, L-A-W, dot com, yezolaw.com. And that's Dominic's website. And again, he is with, uh, he's the chairperson of the Veterans Incarcerated Group out of the Vietnam Vets of America organization and these are just a few of the programs that we want to make sure you're aware of because if you don't know what to ask for it's almost impossible to know it as an option dominic thank you for being on today and sharing your expertise with us i am very proud of your work I, thank I, you you um I, i'd like you to remain just the way you are your, your, your oh. gift of voice and and documenting uh, a nation's pride. Well, you're, you're very, very kind. We are blessed by your presence here today. And you can find out more information at militarynetworkradio.com. We will be back next week with another program for you. Thank you to Tassambra Kimes, Dominic Yezo. I'm Linda Crater, and we are Military Network Radio. We are so proud to bring you shows of interesting and intriguing guests and topics each week. Make it a great week ahead. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you for tuning in today to Military Network Radio. You can find our show at our website, www.toginet.com forward slash Military Network Radio. Also, www.militarynetworkradio.com and in iTunes under Military Network Radio. Join us next week when we bring you another program to enhance your